Greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of Shurim and Dafyomi. We are now at the beginning of the ninth parak of Masachet Nedarim, Rabbi Eliezer Omer. And uh, this parak deals with the issue of Hatarat Nedarim and one specific component of getting a Nedar released, Hatarat Nedarim. And that is the issue of Pitchei Nedarim. It's just as a quick introduction, and it's also on the page. Uh, the Masechet till now has dealt with language, the formula of a neder, the specifics, and then the halachic implications of a neder, in other words, the proper relationship between a mudar and a madir, and between a mudar and the object from which he is banned. We now turn our attention to the issue of releasing nedarim, hatarat nedarim, which we've dealt with here and there in the Masechet so far, but not uh, comprehensively. And so this parak, uh, at least, is our entry, uh, pun intended, into the area, and it uses a particular for- verb, uh, verb which is liftoach, which means to open, and what it refers to is that the chacham, or the beitin, if you have an individual who is a mumchen expert, or you have three hedyotot, three regular people who can serve as a beitin to release the darim, they begin by questioning the noder, what he had in mind, how he understood what he was doing, etc. And there is a range of questions they can ask. Our parak will deal with the type of questions that legitimately could be asked that will generate proper regret, which will then allow for hatarat nedarim. Rabbi Liazomer, potchin adam echvod aviv v'imo. You can um, generate regret by pointing out how your parents might be embarrassed and might feel bad about the fact that everyone knows that you take Nadarim. It might uh, uh, make them look bad. The Chacham Mosim, Chachamim do not allow such a thing. And now here's an argument of the Chachamim, which is a reductio argument. I'm Rabbi Tzadok. If you're going to allow the using parental honor as an as a uh, generating regret then how about divine honor after all god doesn't want you to take the dharm if you had known that god would be displeased with your nether would you have taken it and then his response is imkain in nedarim, a classic ad absurdum. If that's the case, then there will never be nedarim. What that means, we will see immediately in the Gemara, what the gist of his argument is. But either way, his point is, to support Chachamim, that you cannot use kiburah ve'em, because by extension you should then use kvodamakom, and that would wipe out nedarim. Now, modim chachamim or however, they agree, if he took a ban specifically directed to his parents, like he won't go to his parents' house, he won't get an off from his parents, his parents get an off from him, etc., in that particular case, you can use kibura ve'em as a petach. Now, second Mishnah, this is something we've already seen referred to in our Masechet, Rabbi says that you can use an unforeseen new circumstance as a petach, and we'll see an example in the Mishnah. The Chachamim Osrin, Ketzad, Amar Konam Ploni, if you took a ban against getting Hanar from somebody. And he then became a scribe. Or he was marrying off his son. And you didn't know that was coming. And if you had said, had I known that he was going to become a sofer or that he was going to have a, a wedding, you took a ban from somebody for a year, and suddenly his son got engaged and the wedding is in three months, uh, you said, uh, had I known that, I wouldn't have taken an ed there. Or, you took a ban against entering a particular house. And the house became a shul. 
had I known that it was going to become a shul, I wouldn't have taken a neder. Rebbe says, that is a valid petach. And when the fellow says, had I known that, I wouldn't have taken the neder, then we can say, mutalach, 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 and he can go into the house, he can go to the fellow's wedding, etc. Chachamim do not allow. Now, my ain nedarim. The Gemara immediately addresses Rabbi Tzadok's argument. Which is, if we're going to allow Kibbut Avim, we should certainly allow Kvar HaMakom, which will lead to Ein Nedarim. What does that mean? Amar Baye, Imkein Ein Nedarim Nitarim Yafeh. Abaye says that what it means is Nedarim will not be released properly. Why? Because a person is going to come to Beit Din, and the Chacham is going to say to him, had you known that God would be upset with you, would you have taken the Nedar? Who's going to say, yes, I would have taken it anyways? Nobody would be so chutzpidik, so brazen. But he may really not, may not really regret it. Which means that he will be getting released from a netter that he doesn't re- regret and think that he is allowed where he's not. Rav says there's a different consideration that Rabbi Tzadok says. Ein nedarim means nobody's going to ever come to a chacham. Because if they know that every time they go to the chacham, the chacham says, did you know that God was unhappy? He said, no. I said, okay, it's mutar. They'll start just saying that to themselves. And then they're going to take nedarim and they're going to release themselves and the whole structure will fall down. Now let's test this, these two approaches against the rest of the Mishnah. The Chacham agree with Rabbi Leezer. If it's a matter that directly affects his parents, that you may use it. So that means that this has to be a case where the concern about whatever it means, will not be a concern. According to Abai, it makes sense. Abai's concern was that a person will come and feign regret because he would never be so chutzpahdik as to say, oh, I don't care. But he won't really regret it. In this case, since here he was brazen against his parents and he banned them directly. It wasn't that he banned something and it reflects poorly upon them, but he banned them directly. So we know that he's going to be honest about that. So if he says, I regret it, he really regrets it. Um, according to Rava's consideration, so why do Chachamim allow it here? If the concern is that if that, that when you come and you say, had you known how your parents would feel, would you have done it? And then by extension, had you known how, how God felt, then people will never come to the Chacham anymore. The answer is, then the answer is, since every other ned do you take, you have to come to the Chacham, therefore here we can use it. In other words, the concern is, if every time you come to the Chacham, the first thing he says is, do you know how God feels about this? Then you're going to stop coming to the Chacham. But if every other neder you come, they ask you other things, and now this one they ask it, so since it doesn't isn't used that often, it's not going to lead to that problem. Now the next mission of Yerom Rebelazer, Potchin Benolad, my Tamar Rebelazer, why does Rebelazer allow no lad? Why does he allow a new unforeseen circumstance uh, to to be a petach? Now, there's a background to this. As we will see a little later on, there is a Midrashic read of the relationship between Moshe and Yitro that when Moshe married Zipporah, it says, Vayoel Moshe. Literally, it means Moshe decided to stay with Yitro and, um, and uh, or uh, occasioned himself to stay with Yitro, however we read it. However, Midrashically, we read Vayoel as being from the word Allah, which is an oath, and therefore, what it means is that Moshe took an oath that he would stay with Yitro and not return to Egypt. Now what happens? Hashem says to Moshe, go back to Mitzrayim. In other words, there's a new circumstance. The people who wanted to kill you, which is why you, were, you took an oath not to go, are now dead. Which means that now the Nadir is released. I'm releasing it, as it were. 
Havamita de Nolad, who, after all, someone dying is Nolad. It's kind of funny to call it Nolad, because Nolad means a newborn thing, but someone dying is a new situation. That's Rabbi Eliezer. For Rabbanon Maitamayu, what did the Rabbanon say? How did they interpret that? They agree that Moshe took an oath, and that Hashem allowed him to come back. Kasavri Hanhumi Maiti, he says, who were the people who, who were seeking Moshe's death? The simple shot of the text is that it's referring to Paro, because when Moshe had his interaction with those two fellows, and uh, he found out that Paro knew that he'd killed the Egyptian the day before, it says that Paro wanted to kill him, so Moshe ran away. So the simple readers is, Ha'anashim v'akshim anafshech is Paro. Why is it in the plural? Either the royal plural, or else it means Paro's men, whatever it may mean. Nonetheless, it's a reference to Paro. Paro has died, as we read, at the end of Perak Bet, just before the scene where Moshe sees the bush. However, Chachamim read Ha'anashim literally as men, and therefore it's a reference to the two men who were fighting who tried to get Moshe in trouble. Who are those men? Well, those are men that, according to the Midrash, are not dead because they are the same men who appear when Moshe comes back to Mitzrayim at this scene, and they're the ones who accuse Moshe and Aaron of making trouble. Uh, by stirring things up with Paro, and now things are worse. And they're, of course, the men who later appear at the forefront of the rebellion against Moshe and die there, and they are none other than Datan Vaviram, based on the following. Anytime you have Nitzim and Nitzavim, which are not related words at all, Nitzav means to stand up in front of somebody, and Nitzim is fighting, but they sound alike, it's always Datan Vaviram, which means that the people who died didn't really die, so what does it mean? They became poor, and and that means that they're considered like dead, in other words, they're not powerful anymore, they can't hurt you anymore. And we'll see a little riff off of this. This is an opening into the Midrashic tangent, uh, the Agadic tangent. Anyone who doesn't have children is considered like dead. As Rachel said to Yaakov, Give me sons, otherwise I'm dead. Idea is, uh, life is not worth living, but the strict read of it is, if not, I'm a dead person without children. There are four types of people who are alive, yet they're considered like dead. Ani, a poor person, as we saw with the issue of Datan and Aviram. Mitzora, we'll see in a moment. Suma, a blind person. banim. Ani, what's that? Dichtiv, kimetu kolanashim. Our pasuk. Mitzora, dichtiv, in the case of Miriam, when she was Mitzora, Aaron says to Moshe, pray for her, she'al natihi kamet. She shouldn't be considered like a dead person. Vesuma, why is a blind person considered dead? Dichtiv, the pasuk in Echa says, b'machshakim hoshivani kimete olam. He has made me, this is when Yirmiyahu is talking about being in the pit. It's a kiao threw him in. He made me sit in the dark places like the dead. This is like as if he was in Hades. So being in a dark place like a blind person is like dead. Etc. The pasuk with, um, with Rachel. Okay, Tanya. Now we have another application of the pasuk about Moshe Rabbeinu. The beitin may not be matir the neder, except in the presence of the one you took the neder from. How do we know? Right? Hashem spoke to Moshe in Midian and said, go back to Egypt because they all died. 
Now, why does it say b'minyan? Why do you have to need? Why do you need that word? Amarlo b'minyan nadar minyan nadar talachav hater nidrachav minyan. You took the neder when you were in minyan when you met Yitro. You have to be matter the neder there. The assumption being in the presence of Yitro. Now, Moshe did not take a neder hanah from Yitro, but rather Yitro administered a neder to him, and so we're equating the two. Anytime another person's involved in your neder, either as the object of the neder or the administrator of the neder, you have to release it in his presence. Again, this is the source for Moshe having taken an oath. Ein Allah el That Vayoa Moshe is interpreted as an oath. Dichtiv Vayave Oto be Allah. The pasuk in Yechezkel. He brought him into an oath. The word Allah is Shvuat Allah. We have that several times. All right, and now we have a parallel sort of discussion about the issue of releasing a neder in the absence of the one who administered the neder. Now, the Pasuk in Devar Yomim at the very end says that Tzidkiyahu rebelled against the Bukhadnetzar. We know what that rebellion was. It was his signing a treaty of alliance with Egypt against Babylonia. But the Midrash reads it differently, that he had taken an oath. My Mardute, what was the rebellion? He found Bukhadnetzar eating a live rabbit. And uh, evidently, Nebuchadnezzar was doing this discreetly. He has some weird eating habits. All right, he said, uh, and um, Nebuchadnezzar said to Tzidkiyahu, swear that you won't tell anybody about this and nothing will happen to you. Ishtava, so Tzidkiyahu took the oath. The Sov Havikam, it started Tzidkiyahu Begufei. Tzidkiyahu was, uh, was going through uh, afflictions. He took a... A, uh, he had his shvua released, and he told everybody. Shaman Nebuchadnezzar to come of Azin. They heard that everybody was making fun of Nebuchadnezzar. Heard everybody was making fun of him, rabbit eater. Shalach va'itin Sanhedrin Sidkiyahu. So he demanded the Sanhedrin and Sidkiyahu to show up. Amar lahon chaziton Michael Avit Sidkiyahu. You see what he did to me? Lavach yishtava b'shmad b'shmad lo'megalina. Didn't he take an oath in the name of heaven that he would not tell? So Amrule Ichali Ashvuata. They said yes, but he was shal al Ashvua. He had the Shvua released. So Nebuchadnezzar asked a very obvious question, are you allowed to get a, an oath released? So Amrlehu, suddenly he becomes an expert in halacha. But when you get a, an oath like that released, uh, can, does, must it be in the presence of the person who ministered or even in his absence? They said it has to be in his presence. So what did you guys do releasing the oath when I wasn't here? My time alone read to the Sidkiyahu. Why didn't you tell Sidkiyahu he can't get it released without me here? There's a pasuk in, uh, in Eicha that the elders of Tzion sat on the ground silently. What does that mean? That they had no answer. So Rabbi Yitzchak colorfully says what happened in the Beit Din is they took the pillows that they sat on away from themselves, they sat on the ground in mourning because they realized that by doing this they had aroused Nebuchadnezzar's ire and that would be the beginning of the end. And for us it is the end, but only the end of a beginning of Perak Chi'i and we will continue in the next podcast from this point on. Everyone should have a wonderful day.